at stake for Australia tonight. Win, the World Cup dream stays alive. Lose, and it's see you later, pretty much. Can the Wallabies fans drown out the, there I say, sea of red hair? It's almost like a Wales home game. Tell us, with your own words, what happened at that tonight. I wish I knew, mate. Looking dangerous here and chasing the opening score and getting it. At the moment, yes, it's a sad time for rugby. I want to keep it real on here. From selections to the mind games that Eddie's been playing with these kids, these guys, these young men, um, it was evident. There's a guy in the studios back home that should be here right now, you know? For Wales, they'll score! It's Tonkin! I'm going to throw a bit of a counter to, to Sonny. I think there's no lack of desire for that guy to make this team the best it can possibly be. So let's just pull the brakes a bit off Eddie. Yeah, I apologise to all the supporters here, everyone back at home. This result has engaged so many people around the world. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Aussie rugby. Tēnā koutou katoa, bonjour, welcome into the breakdown on the road. This time we come to you from Leon, like we did a few weeks ago. We've got a lot to discuss, uh, some that are calling uh, the pool match between Ireland and South Africa the greatest pool match in Rugby World Cup history. We've got superstars on the show, Ronan O'Gara, Usain Bolt and Wallabies legend Tim Horan joining us on the programme, as well as regulars. Mills Molina is waiting in the wings, Jeff Wilson is here, Sir John Kerwin as well. Welcome gentlemen, but we'll start off with you Tim. Mm. Firstly, I just wanted to say the Channel 9 and Stan Sport coverage yesterday was truly incredible, and I don't think anyone took pleasure in, mm. in watching uh, that from the Wallabies. How are you feeling today? Yeah, I think I, you know it's uh, it's still pretty raw. I think I'm gutted for the fans and the players, but um, you know it's tough for the players when we all have played and know the sacrifices you put in and how um, how much it's going to hurt. And you know it's going to hurt for a long period of time, and it should hurt. And it should sting the players for a long period of time. Every time they put their head on the pillow in the next two to four years and beyond, um, they're going to think back to that game and think back to what could have been. And and you look at all the supporters. There was over 25,000 Wallaby fans in Leon the last week or so watching the Fiji game, watching this game. They've saved up for four to five years just to be here. Some people I've spoken to have sold their house to be here at the Rugby World Cup to watch the Wallabies, and, and that really hurts, and I feel for them. So it's going to sting for a while, and it should. Um, um, it's going to hurt, and but we've just got to try and find a way to rebuild. That was really hard to watch, wasn't it, JK? Oh, I was sad, actually, yeah. you know, at the end of it. I think that um, th the biggest thing for me is we need to um, help each other. Mm. I think our competition is not in great shape. Super Rugby needs to be looked at. Um, uh, why did the change the coach? It's not Eddie's fault. I like Eddie. Yep. You know, I think he's been an incredibly successful coach. He's going to cop a lot of a lot of shit, to be fair, for, for want of a better word. But does Hamish McLennan have to stand up and take some responsibility? When do we start getting rid of coaches halfway through the tournament? This is a remarkable weekend of the Rugby World Cup. You think about, you talked about it. I don't think it was the greatest pool game. Um, and look, I know the contest for South Africa and Ireland had massive ramifications for the All Blacks, but it's hard to go past what's just happened to the Wallabies. Mm. I mean, the fact that I don't think anyone saw this coming. I didn't see this coming. I actually thought the Wallabies would find a way to get out of the hole they dug themselves for, uh, into, but they weren't good enough. Um, and so many areas in this game are so contestable um, and look, if you come to a Rugby World Cup and you can't scrum, you're not going to be successful. You don't handle the ball in the air, you're not going to be successful. And a, a Wallaby team that you know, ultimately showed signs in the first half, I thought, yeah. um, of actually being really competitive, really clear what they were trying to do. But the moment they turned down that three points and decided to go to the sideline when it was 10-6, I think, yeah. would have got back to 10-9. It was like, I couldn't understand the logic. And it was a sort of contest where it really didn't matter how you won, you just needed to win. Mm. It wasn't about what it looked like, and I even say that about the Springboks and Ireland game. They turned down penalties. This con these, these contests, these ones that are knock almost knockout games, are going to be the finest margins. You've got to play them like that, right? Yeah. Well, I think for, for us as Wallaby fans now, we're going, to, we're going to try and strip it back. It's not just all Eddie Jones. The player's got to take a lot of responsibility. And I think, you know, we're competing with NRL and Aussie rules every single day in Australia for airtime um, and also for players and coaches. We, you know, the big two challenges I think we have is we have to identify um, better coaches and keep them in Australia for a long period of time. And also, we've actually got to go and get players and I, get more players in. I just want to stop you there, mate, because I need to come back just one step. Yep. Like, 2003, you guys had $80 million in the bank, right? Yep. After the World Cup. After the World Cup, yeah. Right? Yeah. And 
um, you know, AFL should be a dead sport, and yet there's 80,000 people filled the stadium. NRL four or five years ago was not in great shape, and they've changed, they've sped up the game. I get back, yeah, the players can be at fault, yeah, Eddie can be at fault, you know, you changed your coach, but w- what's happening in the administration over there? What I mean, what what is happening with your administration? Because I think you've got to look at the head first before you take a look at the body. Too yeah. easy to go players, too easy to go, um, you know, coaches. Well, hopefully now with Phil War as new CEO, he's got to strip things back and go, OK, commercially, how do we... Uh, I mean, the biggest challenge for Phil War as a CEO is to bring in more funds. You need funds to come into the game because, mate, we need a fighting fund to try and retain kids who play rugby in grade 11, 12 for two years post playing in schools because they 50% of them are going off and playing basketball, Aussie rules and NRL, then get, getting paid. We offer them $5,000 to stay in rugby. NRL offered them 100 grand first year out. So that's the challenge that we've got to try and, you know, broaden our player base. That's... That's the big challenge for Australian rugby moving forward. And somehow, we've got to give hope to fans for the next two to four years. How do we do that? That's not going to happen in the next six to 12 months. And you've got a massive two to four years coming up mm. with the British and Irish Lions Tour uh, and, of course, the Rugby World Cup. So we'll talk about hope then. How do you keep the Wallabies fans that are already in the game turning out, buying tickets, buying merchandise, and how do you bring new ones in? It's hard, isn't it? Maybe it's... Um Obviously, the, the women's sevens program, they're, uh, you know, they've won a gold medal. That's what we always go to, is you go to schools and we all go to coaching clinics at different schools and clubs and, and you look at um, kids at those schools and how do you get them involved in the game. It's touch footy, it's sevens, and to give them an opportunity to play in the Olympics. Um, but, yeah, the, the, um, the tough part for us now is to give hope for fans moving forward. And that's, this is going to hurt for a long period of time and how do we get fans back involved in the game? You know? Can I ask you a question then? Did... did, did, did... Chairman Hamish McLennan, when they brought on Eddie Jones, did they make the right decision? Did they, did they make the right decision making the change and sacking Dave Rennie this close to a rugby world cup? Well, uh, ultimately, are we going to judge that on this just this performance? Or how do we judge that in the future? Well, we've got to go with Eddie now, but um, whether you'll stay, you know, t- time will tell. Probably the next couple of weeks will tell. He said he wants to stay, but when, when Dave Rennie got moved on, I didn't think it was the right call. The players really liked Dave Rennie. He was getting a bit of a rhythm and... Um, into the game and, you know, he had players back and he was building really nicely to Rugby World Cup and every player you talk to, um, even when Eddie Jones came back, they said, we love Dave Rennie, we thought, it, we thought that he had a game plan that we could potentially go deep in the World Cup. Well, over the last 12 months, we have seen the demise of the Wallabies, haven't they? We saw them building on the end of year tour last year. This team is now unrecognisable. Let's hear from their head coach, Eddie Jones. You know, our performance wasn't up to the standard that uh, is required, and I apologise for that. I take full responsibility for it. Um, and, we, yeah, we're disappointed. We've got a young team in there who's very disappointed. They, they tried their hearts out. Um, but, unfortunately, at the moment, we just don't have the consistency in our play to put pressure on, on, on teams like Wales. I was put in this job to, to turn Australia around um, and I don't think I could have done it with the players that had been playing. I think we needed a fresh change. And, and sure, you know, young guys uh, struggled in, in the environment today, but unless they get that sort of experience, um, they're not going to mature in the players they can be. Like, this, this is the most painful time, don't get me wrong, but it's also the best learning time for a young team and young players. This is where they really learn about the game and learn what you've got to be at test level. Yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here um, and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job, I think, is a bit red hot. So we're not going to deal with any of those questions any further. So I'm happy to talk about Wales. I'm happy to talk about Portugal. If you want to keep going down that line, I'll excuse myself. Well, Ellie Jones' loyalty has been questioned after those reports surfaced that he had interviewed for the Japanese head coaching job before coming to the Rugby World Cup. You don't think a change in coach should happen. What about you, JK? How much responsibility should Eddie Jones take? Can they even afford to pay him out? He's on a five-year deal, right, through to the next Rugby World Cup in 2020. I, I was on that short list. They didn't call me. They must have just put the... Look, Japanese rugby put a list together um, and they probably rang Eddie. It's irrelevant, actually. He's got a five-year contract. Um, now, if Australian Rugby Union decide they don't want him, 
then they'll have to sit down and make a deal. But he said he's committed, and I don't think we should talk about that. The biggest issue is how do we get our Australian brothers back on form? Now, I'm sitting out, I'm on the other side of the Tasman, but I'm looking in, and I don't think Super Rugby works. I mean, I don't think it works for you. When you look at the tribalism and traditionalism in AFL, when you look at the tribalism and traditionalism in, in, in rugby league, I think you need to go back to maybe, and you'll like this, Goldie, four or three sides, but you need to go back to Randwick, um, Manly, Brothers in Sydney, and start building it back from a community game. You can still have three sides, but why do you have to have franchises, you know? Is, do you think is there another pathway to start building this through? And is it still... Second question and one, yeah. sorry mate, um, <laughs> is it still just a, an elite schools game? No, I think it's growing. I think Sevens has provided that platform to grow the game in state schools. And, um, but the challenge is, is five teams too many for a, a Super Rugby in Australia? And I think it's, that's the question that's going to be asked the next couple of years. And can because there's two teams there now, the New South Wales Waratahs and the Brumbies are virtually broke. And they've gone back, cap in hand, back to Rugby Australia. So financially the game's in some trouble. Um, Amos McCullen and the board will have to um, hang tough for the next couple of years. But um, the tribalism in club footy is great. Like the Hospital Cup in Brisbane, it's a w wonderful competition. There was 10,000 people at the grand final. Um, the Shoot Shield as well was uh, you know, a great romp won by Ramwick. But Super Rugby, um, you, you know, I think we're too far, too deep now to actually stop Super Rugby or go from five teams to three teams. I think we've got to stick with our five teams. We have to have five teams going into the next Rugby World Cup in 2027. There was a um, stipulation you needed the five teams to stay to, to broaden the marketplace. So um, it's a challenge. I mean, um, a couple of nights ago, still pretty raw. So I look at this and I, I look at Australian rugby mm. and the under 20 side's going yeah, well, right? Yep. Under 20 teams strong. Yep. Have you any doubts about the talent that's coming through? Or is it pure and simply the program and the development of that talent to the point where the stepping stones you need to go through, the, the, the growth and leadership you need to go through to get to a point when you get to international rugby? Yep. And we're asking ourselves whether or not a number of our competitions in New Zealand are fit for purpose right now. Is that where the investigation probably needs to go, where what the national side actually gets, not just in terms of players, but in terms of coaching? Yep. high-class, quality coaching that's got international experience? Well, we've got a lot of coaches, like Dan McKellar's away in Leicester coaching now. Uh, Laurie Fisher uh, for the Brumbies is now finished with the Brumbies. Um, Andy Friend is just coming back from Ireland. So all those type of coaches, how do we keep them in the system and like the centralised model and start sharing them around super rugby clubs and also the Wallabies at the moment? Um, you know, there's not that many coaches in Australia that can then step up. Probably Stephen Larkham's one of them that can step up to coach the Wallabies. So... But you're right, the under-20 system is a really good system. Um, how do we hold kids from school to 20s to then go on to play for the Wallabies? We need more player depth. Is this a crisis? I mean, is this a crisis? I mean, it's, we're it's, talking it's, about it's not the, making a quarterfinals yeah. at a Rugby World Cup. You'd have to say it's probably the lowest point of Australian rugby ever. Um, and that's, it's really going to hurt. The, the, game, the game was at a low in Australia before we came over here because of the popularity of other sports. We needed to get to a semi-final to try and even just tread water in Australia for, for rugby union. So it's the lowest point, but maybe we had to strip it back to get to this situation and go, OK, how do we rebuild? How do we fund the game going forward to host a Rugby World Cup in four years' time? If we're being brutally honest, you talk about the cattle not being there. JK made a point last week and he said he thinks the Wallabies are just playing to their potential right now. Was this a free hit for Rugby Australia, essentially, or is that just not good enough? Because they keep talking, coming into this World Cup, about 2027. Yeah. It wasn't talk about this World Cup. Yeah. So is this just what was actually expected? I think we just weren't good enough. Yeah, and sometimes you go, and you, you look at a game, you go, oh, where could we, you know, yes, we mucked a couple of line-outs up and a few kicks, but really, we just weren't good enough. And sometimes you've got to go, um, yes, we want to get better. Everyone wants to try and get this side better, but sometimes you look at it and you go, we just weren't good enough. And wouldn't it matter whether it was Taniel Tupo, uh, Will Skelton in the side, we would have lost that game by 20 or 30 last night. I think the brief's interesting, isn't it? Because right through the, the warm-ups, actually, Eddie has been talking about what Kirsty said. You know, he's left some experienced players home. Mm. So that's also something that needs to be looked at. What was the brief? Are we actually yeah. building but, but a side for But fans aren't patient anymore. No. Yeah. Like you, you said to the fans, oh, in four years' time, we're going to make a semi-final, win a World Cup. They're not hanging around for four years. They, they want... Fans <laughs> are not patient. The ones that paid their money to go to this tournament, yeah. and I'm sure last year when they saw some improvement with Dave Rennie, mm. will be thinking a very different story right now. Mm. Like you, you don't waste 
You don't waste World Cups. You don't go to them without giving yourself the best chance no. to win. You don't have to go to a World Cup and lose one to then win one. No, no like you that's want not to how perform. it works. No. Just finally, uh, JK, New Zealand, how worried should we be about Super Rugby right now, where Australia's at, and the Rugby Championship? It's not just Australia, isn't it? Argentina is struggling at this Rugby World Cup. Every Rugby Championship side has now lost a pool game in the last three weeks. Oh, the Southern Hemisphere is broken at the moment. You know, South Africa left during COVID. I think possibly that might have hurt you guys yep. more than us. Um, you know, every time you read the paper, the, the, they're arguing at the highest level. You know, we don't really know what the future looks like and we need to sit around the table, um, either bring South Africa and decide not to, hopefully we bring them back in, and sort it out together. We need for both of our countries to be strong. No, I just, I'm just laughing because that's worked out so well when we sat around the table in the last few years, right? I mean, because what you need... We've got to be mature. Need, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Got to show I, some growth. I, I think we're, we're looking for our Anzac brothers to help us out moving forward the next two to four years, and we need, we need New Zealand support to help grow the game in Australia so we're both successful. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Just a couple of days after this game. And we are feeling for you, as JK said. It's a sad, sad time yep. at the moment. And we know that you'll come back yep. better than ever. Uh, we'll bounce back. We'll yeah, get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're off now. Mills Molina is about to join us on the program. Don't go anywhere on Breakdown on the Road, because when we come back, we look at the other action across round three of the Rugby World Cup. Hockey my welcome back to the breakdown on the road from Leon. Great to have you joining us for what has been uh, a couple of unbelievable weeks here in France. Mills Molina, it's your time to be unleashed. The fanfare around that match, I'm talking about Ireland and South Africa at Stade de France. The All Blacks path has now become clear, but let's talk about this one first. How daunting is the task coming up against those two? World number one, and world number two. Oh, particularly in the way they sort of the, the played. I mean, the All Blacks and also the French have always known this was going to be, um, you know, a huge quarterfinal once these two teams have sort of played. It was always going to be the case. But the way they came out, the support that you mentioned, I mean, we've been down here in Lyon and there's just so many sort of Irish supporters along with the, the Wallaby um, supporters as well. It's just shaping up you know, to that business. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to it because the intensity went up, but also, the accuracy and, and the pressure, Jeff, for, for both teams, that was certainly on as well. Look, Is that was... a, a preview of the final? No, because we're not in it, Kirsty. We can't lot, talk like lot, that in the A lot breakout. of people were saying that. If but, a pre these two teams will meet again. Look, There's only one a, way look, they can meet again. Look, we've just seen that, that when it comes to a situation where it's a knockout game, and that's what it, essentially what it was last night for Wales and Australia, pressure yeah. changes the whole context of everything. And so don't get me wrong, this was a great contest. And we're seeing plenty of it. But I think it, more importantly, gives you a great indication, JK, of what it's going to take to win a Rugby World Cup. And the fact that both of these two teams, once again, went into a game and they turned down points. And I can't see that happening when you get to a genuine knockout game. All this was a positioning game. That's all this was. Yeah. And the fact now, what we expect, and we've still got a job to do against Italy. We can take nothing for granted. They're a Six Nations side. But I think we now know what South Africa and Ireland are absolutely capable of when it comes down to playing under pressure. And I think both teams showed, I think showed a lot in that game, JK. Yeah, look, I think it was a confirmation of the ratings. You know, we've said that Ireland is the best coming in. Had they really been tested? Yes and no, but that was their big test. And they are the number one side to knock over. And we've got to knock them over. Um, I thought it was probably a step backwards for South Africa. I think we saw some weakness in their game. 
um, which I think is a good thing. Obviously, they're kicking they need to sort out. They left a few points on the patch. But it's going to be that. If New Zealand's play Ireland, it's going to be that type of match. It's going to be close. You're going to have to take your opportunities and you're going to have to win those special moments. But we are good enough. We are good enough. I'm smiling uh, right now because it's him that's criticised South Africa. Did you criticise them or just took a step back? Because no, it won't be me that's copping it. I said they took, they took a step back. Like they took a step back. That's lost. enough for them, for they the South African fans. They, they, yeah, exactly. But that's okay. I mean, I tend to agree. They took a step backwards. They looked under pressure at times. They didn't look as confident as they have in the past. And that's pressure, right? Think, have we? Have no, we? I don't have think that worries. I, I don't think that worries South Africa too much. You know, I, I yeah. think they're comfortable within their, their game. I think they're comfortable in the fact that we've lost the pool game, but they've still got the confidence to know that they, they left a lot of opportunities out there. They brought on guys possibly a little bit early. I, I agree with you. I think it was all about positioning, you know, in terms of where they get to. Both sides know who they're going to come up against in terms of the quarterfinals. And so it's about getting to the quarterfinals. But I think in terms of where South Africa sit and the confidence they have within their environment, I don't, I don't think that would have phased them a lot. I think it's actually going to make them even better. And Mills, we spoke yesterday, but you don't think Ireland will phase the All Blacks? No, I, I, don't, I, I reckon the All Blacks have got so much fire in their bellies after... The Irish, you know, the Irish series win. I, I think, technically, um, we, if, if the Ireland, the Irish team, don't get me wrong, they're the most clinical team at the moment in this Rugby World Cup, but I think there's enough there in the All Blacks. If we go back to the level that we started the, the championship in, that we can match them, in fact, even better than them. The key to the All Blacks now is when they turn to a game that's a lot slower, you know, and frustrate the All Blacks with set piece and kicking game. Can we hang in there and stay stay with the Irish? Because the Irish are prepared to do that. They they can change up, they can manipulate, they can play our game, but they can also play a slow game that frustrates other teams. And that's the key to the All Blacks. How can they not stay frustrated and stick in it? I totally agree. Three key players, absolutely key players for those quarterfinals is Ben O'Keefe, Wayne Barnes and Jaco Piper, believe it or not. Because when those three ref there's more rhythm in the game. I thought Ben O'Keefe was amazing. I mean, this is a tight game, yeah. but it was all over the place. Then I thought Wayne Barnes refed really well in that game last night, let it flow. We need referees that are going to let it flow because if we get slowed down, it's not good for our game. The other thing that the All Blacks will be working on is under pressure, this Irish side make the right decisions. Mm. What happened to Australia? You know, they didn't take that three points. So this Irish side, under pressure, make the right decisions. When I said I saw a few clinks in the South African armour the other night, it was that. Under pressure, I thought Ireland were better. Are they any less mills? No. Will it worry them? No, they'll learn from it. That's why I think the All Blacks have gone away, and it'll be that close. Ireland lost their first five line-outs, though. I mean, against the Springboks, there were six line-outs, the first six line-outs. So they've got there's some chinks in their armour as well. I mean, if you look at this contest and you look at the way that South Africa actually tried to play, they actually tried to counter-attack yeah, a lot more. Uh, yeah. Damien Filenza was awesome yeah. with ball in hand. But he got beat the first player quite often. And what it did confirm to me is, though, it is so hard to score tries. In the, against the top sides. Yeah. You can get in positions yeah, to score tries. that's the problem with that game, right? Yeah, but, that, that. but I'm going to go deep into that maybe later on in this tournament because it's, it's incredibly frustrating when you're seeing quality play until you get to the last five metres and no one get a good across across the line. Did you see uh, the Argentinian Samoan game? That was, if, if the other night was the best game, that was possibly the worst game I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I, right? I, I, I and I felt sorry for my Samoan brothers because... They are way better than that, yeah. but it was disjointed. Argentina were terrible, Samoa were terrible, and I sat there well, thinking, wow. But Australia just suffered it as well. If you can't scrum, you cannot have success at a Rugby World Cup. If you cannot hold your own at scrum time, and that's where other teams are finding it difficult, challenging. That's where last night the Wallabies... So for me, that's what I think Ireland and South Africa... It was, it was like a... It was like a... It was solid for the first, you know, 80, sorry, 60 minutes of that game. It didn't shift. JK, you talked about three key players for the quarterfinals, but there's three key players for Ireland that have come out of New Zealand. Jamison Gibson-Park, James Lowe, Bundyaki, man of the match performance again. Gareth Anscom as well for Wales was man of the match. Would any of these guys be in the current All Blacks setup? Would they have made the All Blacks mills or did they make the right decisions to go overseas and now they're superstars? Well, they're purely have made the right decision and I guess this is the problem that we've got and you know you guys have spoken about that with with Timmy the fact that you know they're our um I suppose the guys coming through um how do we keep them you've got to take your hat off and it worries me because those guys have gone over there they've become better players like let's, don't, let's not shy, shy around it 
they obviously the development system that they've got in the north is a lot better than what we've got down in the, in the south because those guys weren't even making you know the, the the 23 in some of those Super Rugby sides and now look what they are they're actually becoming world class players so what worries me a bit there is you know how how is our development in New Zealand now we've got an issue that we've got to look after the Australians we've been fighting at it for for so long. You know, when is this now the time for our board to go or our union to say, well, actually, remember this time, remember this time, Australia? It's about time we've got to come together because that's a worrying sign when guys like that go over yeah. and become much better players than what they did when they were in New Zealand. I, I actually think it's the tournament, Mills. I, I, I agree with you, they get better, but I think they get better through tougher tournaments. I think we've really got to look at what our tournament is because, you know, I, I coached Jamison. Um, he went over and he is, he had all the fundamentals there, but now under pressure, he's a, he's a very good player. And I think it comes down to their competition and also the Six Nations is more in the test arena. You keep harping on, and you do this a bit, um, you keep harping on about taking three points, right? In the Six Nations, you take your three points, whereas a lot of the Souths, you know, were kicking to the corner, going to the line-outs like the Australians did, and then they threw that pie. I mean, that was a critical time in the game. So I think it's the competition we need to look at. We need to go, is our competition now preparing these guys? And they go overseas and they get better through that. And possibly haven't got a good enough relationship to talk about our competition when it's always been with the Australians. Now is the perfect time to be able to come together, right? So we need to start asking questions about the competition and the system uh, in New Zealand rugby right now. Someone who has been in New Zealand, he's seen the Six Nations work, he's seen the top 14 in France, is Ronan O'Gara, and I was very lucky to sit down with him. Well, we're so lucky to catch up with one of the finest to have ever pulled on the Irish jersey, the Munster jersey, deep in preparations as well to win a top 14 title and continue the dynasty with La Rochelle. Ronan O'Gara, an absolute pleasure. You know, you're so uh, loved in New Zealand as well after your time with the Crusaders. How is life in France? How does it compare to the upbeat of Christchurch? Uh, hiya, Kirsty. Great to see you and catch up with you. Um, very different, obviously, but um, I must admit uh, they were two of the most special years of my life in Christchurch. I absolutely loved the city. I understood the history when I got there. I was naive approaching it. And, uh, I suppose the uh, sorrow, but the resilience of the people uh, really touched me. And uh, it was a beautiful place for family to grow up. We had uh, five kids. Myself and Jess still have five healthy kids, thankfully. <laughs> um, but it really shaped us, and I met some uh, unbelievably good people. Uh, I was very fortunate to get entry into that environment, and um, it set me up for coaching. It set me up to uh, see the good in people, see the good in life. Everyone has so much potential, and some people put a limit on it, but I feel that um, when you mix, I suppose, the Irish in me, a little bit of the crusader in me. I've been in France for two different stints with two different clubs. You're continuously learning um, and we play sport. We, Some people see it as entertainment, other people take it a little bit ser more serious like I, but you have to um, set up a recipe for making kids feel good about themselves. You're just down the road. How lucky to have the Rugby World Cup literally on your doorstep and you've played at a number of these tournaments yourself. Is now the time for Ireland? There's a lot in that question. Um, I think France is a fantastic country. I think you've been here for a number of weeks. Uh, they love the rugby, they really do. Um, at, from the outside, I think it's probably one of the big things is just make an effort with learning the language. I think once you learn a little bit of French, they'll go with you because you've got to remember we're in their country, we're playing here, it's their championship, it's 100 years of history. Uh, but they're good people with warm hearts and uh, they're going to put on a spectacular World Cup. And it's only beginning really now with obviously um, the final round of games coming up and then we're into the, into the playoffs. Uh, is it Ireland's time? Everyone in Ireland hopes so. I think they've got a fantastic manager, Andy Farrell is whatever, uh, doing an, an amazing job. Uh, but it, pressure becomes different when it's knockout footy and uh, as you said there, uh, I played in three World Cups. I'm not too sure that I play. I was on the pitch for three World Cups. <laughs> so <laughs> it was for, for me, um, you know, we had a chance in, in um, Wellington to beat Wales in a quarter-final and that would have got rid of the hoodoo of, of, of getting to a semi-final. So sometimes you don't realise how good the opportunity in front of your nose is and you don't take it and it's four years gone and you're 
back to the drawing board. But that's sport, that's why we love it, that's why we get so frustrated with it, but that's why we keep going and um, try to put out the best versions of ourselves. So maybe, but you've got some seriously um, impressive teams with deep pedigree. The All Blacks, the team that everyone used to try and beat, but now Ireland has had our number. South Africa has beaten us uh, recently as well. The Pumas have beaten the All Blacks. I mean, how would you beat the All Blacks? How would you go about beating them? Um, I think there's an asterisk in what you said, though, because the great thing about New Zealand is they'll be judged under Rugby World Cup, and that's what the best teams do, and they accept that pressure. And to use the great Dan Carter, pressure is a privilege. We'll see now because Ireland don't know where the semi-final winning line is, the final winning line is. This is in the DNA of, of all New Zealand teams and it's something that you cannot underestimate. So are they waiting in the long grass? Uh, yeah, but they need to be because their game needs to be a little bit better. I think where teams have probably gone beyond them is, is um, on the defensive side. But their attack has always been top-notch, but I think defensively they've seems that they're still uh, defending the man, which nowadays in, with teams with their capacity to retain the ball, if you keep pushing them towards the sideline, the opposition is going to have too much possession and be able to fire too many shots and they probably have to defend a lot of players with X factor. So I think if they're very aggressive with their D, I think they could uh, surprise people and go all the way. Now, you're a competitive uh, person. You're great at what you've done on the field and you're great at what you do in coaching as well. It would, wouldn't be human to not want to coach at the international level. Has it always been Ireland that you've had your sights on? Was there an opportunity with the All Blacks and Scott Robertson, maybe? Uh, it is, we would love you in New Zealand. Uh, it would be... Um, you see it very differently, obviously, when you're a professional coach. You know, when you're a player, you're like, how could he coach another nation? But that's what happens in professional coaching. So doing that, yeah, of course, uh, you know what I mean? But there's too many good coaches in New Zealand for, you know what I mean, for Jason Holland, Liam McDonald, uh, Andrew Goodman, just three of the guys that when I was there, you saw, you know what I mean? There's, I think that's a better option for when you have local guys, they should get the nod, but if any other country is available. <laughs> you know you're going to get called from every single country in the world right now. No, because I I, I just, I, I'm a big fan of staying in the know. Other things look after itself. I think one big thing is just health and happiness, you know, and you got to enjoy the journey too, you know. We play rugby, it's, it should be fun. Yeah. Yes, there's periods of frustration, but I'm sure the players are frustrated with me at times too. That's That's what happens in a in a fruitful relationship. It's about getting the best out of each other and the last two years have been brilliant, but it just gives you a taste for more. Yeah, and test level is different, but still young enough, but it's uh, it's um, it's very different. I think at this, this stage, I have a lot of energy for the day-to-day -day stuff. You haven't hit the 50 yet, which means you're younger than every single person on our show except Mills Malayana, I think. It's really nice to see your smile, I tell you what, because coaches always seem to be un under pressure these days, so it's nice yeah, to see yeah, a smile. Exactly. You gotta, you, uh, that's the one thing I just had to say if I, because as a player, I was crippled with anxiety yeah. and nerves and over-appreciating it. Yes, it is very important, but it's also um, something that you got to enjoy doing. I think you can enjoy it if you have... Uh, a clear head. Just one final question, and we're going to go back to the Rugby World Cup since we are in Paris, we're in France, the epicentre of the rugby world right now. Your pick for the final, who are the two teams in there? For the final? I think it's very difficult to look beyond France winning the World Cup. I just think with home advantage, with so many X-Factor players, but there's always hope for the other teams, and if it's an not a, a night where they're feeling it and they might be a little bit moody, then maybe, you know, I mean, South Africa, Ireland, and then I would probably say after that it's probably um, New Zealand. They're the four, I think, who can win it. Thank you so much for your time. It's Thank so you. easy to see why you're so loved by uh, all uh, your players. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsty. Very interesting chat with Ronan O'Gar. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up next year. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now because we were always asked to be bold. Ronan O'Gara against Scott Robertson, All Blacks against Ireland 2027 Rugby World Cup final. It's a fair call, but should we be letting these coaches come down and learn our stuff?
Should we well, be he hitting? To stay should we, well, should we be hitting? Up? Well, should we be hitting north and looting <laughs> yeah. their stuff? But that's, I mean, a, that's a bigger question. Yeah, but, but the whole north-south thing has been sharing. The only thing we haven't shared is sort of probably the money, because <laughs> there's way more in the northern hemisphere, which is a problem, right? So we just heard, you know, heard Timmy Horan say that all his clubs are broke. All our super clubs are broke. You know, our New Zealand Rugby Union is is feeding our our NPC people who are broke, you know, whereas the Northern Hemisphere, we've got these millionaires putting money in, they're buying these players, um, you know, like James Lowe, like Jamison Gibson Park, they're buying guys younger. I mean, is that something we need to put some rules around? We're Sorry, there was a, a bee uh, just buzzing around, and these two are highly allergic to bees, so it was hard to concentrate. We thought they were well. well. We thought, <laughs> thought they were allergic brilliantly. to <laughs> Brilliantly. But I tend to agree with the fact the coaching's a huge part of it. Um, you know, I love the idea that you're going with in 2027. I'd rather worry about what's happening right now. And there's a lot of things that have to go under the bridge. And then clearly, there's a number of things that have happened around this tournament, Kirsty. And the biggest news is what's happened to France, right? Well, they've lost their two superstars, their nine and their ten. Their ten before the tournament, and Romain Intermac, of course, and then Anton Dupont suffered that broken jaw. He has undergone surgery and he'll be meeting with a specialist in the next couple of days. They want to try and make a mask for him so that he can play. You heard Ronan O'Gara say it. He thinks that they will do everything. The medical staff here in France will do everything to make sure that he is on the field because France need him, JK, for the quarterfinal against South Africa. I want to see him out there. I want to see him out there. Um but it's really high risk. Someone breaks their jaw and we're going to put a mask on them to play. When we're trying to change our whole game around looking after the health and safety of the players, is that the best thing for the health and safety? I'd love to see them out there. And if, you know, if we get an independent doctor to say, you don't get another bang on your jaw, something serious is going to happen. But I don't want to lose him. So if it's safe, then I don't care if he runs out in a mask. He's the best player in the world at the moment. And if you're France, you're pushing everything out there to make sure he gets on there, regardless of whether it has to go up to a judicial, whether they say that you're not allowed to wear this mask. This is the pinnacle. This is Rugby World Cup. You ain't playing Six Nations or a, a Lions Tour. This is the Rugby World Cup. You will do absolutely everything for that type of player to get back on the field because he he makes he, he's huge. Yeah. He basically is their team. No, no, I don't I don't agree with that. I think you don't think they're goners without no, him? I don't think they're goners. There's, there's more to this French team than just that. Now, there's no doubt he's probably is the best player in the world and has an impact on the way that they play. Someone else would have to step up, but I don't think it rules them out. There's enough quality in that group. There's enough um, support they have at home. Uh, I honestly believe that they can find themselves in a position where they can push past that. But ultimately with the injury, I'll just say this. I would hate to think that he's putting himself in jeopardy and putting himself out there, you know, that there's any risk whatsoever. If there's not, go great for it. But you watch the game we play right now. It's brutal, absolutely brutal. And he will be in harm's way. So there has to be 100% confidence that he's not going to do, uh, put himself at risk for anything major. For me, for him to be out there, you know, um, but ultimately it's probably his choice. If he gets the all clear and they say, we think you'll be fine, I understand he's had a plate put in. Um, I mean, I, I'm with you, I want to see him out there, but, you know, I would be surprised if he'd recovered enough in three weeks. Health and safety of the player must come first. But it comes we'll first for everything. Our, yeah, exactly, so th that's got to come first. Um, I don't think they can win with losing their best nine and ten. I just don't think they can. I think it's too tough. I mean, we lost... Hold on. We lost who, who did we have in 2011? Yeah, Stephen I Donald. I yeah, but that. who was the halfback? I get that. Paddy Ripper. Yeah. Right. No, he went off injured. He was injured, so our best halfback wasn't out there. Andy Ellis? Andy Ellis. Andy Ellis finished it. That's finished right. the game, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I, this, but this goes back to your point. You're saying they have got quality players without DuPont. They wouldn't be pushing the boundaries oh, out, to there get him out there to get him out yeah, there. I understand. If, you, if, yeah. if he's not quality enough to be able to push everything to get him out there, and you're saying, well, you know, you're relying on those other other two halfbacks in the in the ten. I think there's a massive chink in there. I mean, teams will be going. Dupont's not there. That's not as stable as what it can be. I do agree with the fact. Hey, it is. You know, you've got to think of uh, of, of player welfare, but. Man, there is that too. If you're sitting there and, man, I'm grateful I'm not in his, in, in his shoes, yep. you, you as a player are going, man, I'm, I want to be out there for my country. This is, I mean, you talk about tribalism and about, you know, the, the whole um, you're getting out there for your country. This is when it comes down to that. And he won't, he will want to be out there. So people have been saying avoid France at all costs in this tournament, but do you think South Africa are quietly happy with who they'll cross over with, JK? No, I mean, our side of the draw is ridiculous. 
two of the best sides. I mean, these are the best teams. They are the best teams. They're in the form teams. You go one to four, we're all in form, right? I think you'll see an amazing performance from the All Blacks against Italy. Um, you know, I, I, I um, probably won't be spoken to at home, but the, the interesting thing <laughs> is this all black... different, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I do come after the dog. But anyway, um, what you've got to realise, what you've got to realise is that um, we're getting some key players back as well. We've been missing Sam Kane. We've been missing Geordie Barrett. We've been missing Lomax. You know, there's a big decision to be making at, at lock because they're all on form. Um, so for me... Right? The, the best teams are on that side of the draw. I'm, I'm just going to say this is going to be hard for me to say this. What's that? But England... England are going to be tough now, given the nature of this competition and the way it's being played. Because they can do the one thing, or the couple of things, they can scrum, and their defence, uh, to date, has been very, very good. Remembering they played with 14 men against Argentina and dominated them. England are going to be a problem in this tournament because the type of rugby we've got to in knockout phases. And I'll talk about type of rugby probably for the next three weeks. Wales as well. You have to give credit to yeah, this side and Warren Gatland, your mate from Waihi Beach, JK. Wales were under so much pressure at the start of the year. They changed the coach. They were striking behind the scenes. Now they're looking ahead to a quarter-final, topping their group and potentially going to a semi as well. Yeah, well, Gats has got the X factor. You know, he's gone and um, he's taken a completely different approach to Eddie. <laughs> so he's just stayed under the radar. The boys have worked hard. He's slowly installed some belief. He knows how to win. He knows how to win in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, he's built a couple of extra things into the defence line. I mean, the halfback shooting out and putting pressure on. People haven't seen that for a little while. So he's just gone about his business. They'll be difficult. And England will be difficult because it's knockout. All they had to do was get through the stage, and they've done that. So I'm hoping, and I still think the, the team of the tournament is Fiji. You know, we're talking about all these other sides, but, man, they have been awesome because they are playing... A style of football that's awesome. And they can scrum. I forgot all three of your neighbours at Wahi Beach. I'll add you into that mix as well. Well, you know how I mentioned that we have superstars on the show, Olympic royalty as well. JK was so lucky to catch up with the speedster. I wonder how you'd go against him in 100 metres. In your prime, JK, Usain Bolt for our groove track this week. Can I you Well, what a pleasure for us. I'm here with uh, the fastest man in the world, also an amazing uh, soccer man, <laughs> um, ambassador for replay. So, welcome to the welcome to the All Blacks, mates. Lovely yeah, to have you here with be part of us. Um, so, who's your favourite football team then? <laughs> um, Manchester United. Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not doing so well now. No, no not going <laughs> to do so well, but yeah. still yeah. my team. <laughs> yeah. And so tell me, do you miss, do you miss the running? Do you miss the competition? Yeah, uh, the competition. I, I definitely do miss the competition. Um, not so much the training, but I do miss competing, especially you know, watching, see all the guys competing at the top level. So, it's, you know, what I mean, it gives you that itch. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that that feeling of competition is that yeah. what you miss the most? Yeah, that's that's my thing. I think I've always told people I live for co to compete. I've never wanted easy wins. I always want to compete against the best. It's always more fun and more intense. It makes you feel good to know that you beat the best in the world. So it was always something that I enjoyed. And I know you haven't. Um, I know you came to last World Cup in Japan. But uh, rugby, are you starting to watch a little bit? <laughs> I think Jamaica is, is actually picking up and trying to do more in rugby. I see that a lot more Jamaicans are... Jamaican team is doing a lot better in rugby. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's picking up, so we're taking much more note of rugby now, so that's a good thing. You would make a great winger. A, you're a good-looking man, and wingers are good-looking, but also fast. Imagine if Jamaica starts playing yeah, rugby. That's you know, going to be they, cool. If they get into it, then it would be pretty good. We'll have some pace, for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Worries, yeah, worries. Worries.
The ASB Rugby Awards is a pinnacle event on the annual rugby calendar, celebrating the best of the best in rugby in New Zealand, from our communities right through to our teams in black. In 2023, there are two new Community Rugby Awards, in addition to the Charles Munro Volunteer of the Year. With over 470 rugby clubs across all corners of New Zealand, we know that many of these clubs serve their communities far beyond rugby. The Bunnings Warehouse Rugby Club of the Year recognises a rugby club that has achieved significant outcomes for their members, local community or provincial union in the current year. The winner of Bunnings Warehouse Rugby Club of the Year will receive $5,000 worth of Bunnings products and materials to support the maintenance and improvement of their club rooms. The two finalist clubs will also receive a $500 Bunnings gift card. The second new award is to recognise that rugby has the ability to bring communities together to achieve great things. The New Zealand Rugby Community Impact Award recognises an incredible person from a provincial union, community rugby club, organisation, school, iwi or super rugby club that has significantly impacted their community this year. This could include growing participation, culture, diversity and inclusion, women and girls, mental health and well-being, player welfare and leadership. Get your nominations in now on www.nzrugby.co.nz forward slash ASB Rugby Awards so we can celebrate the amazing individuals and clubs that make a difference in our communities. Winners will be announced during the awards show on December 14 on Sky. It's been a long wait between Test 2 at the Rugby World Cup for the All Blacks and Test 3. We know they've been in wine country, Bordeaux, with these gentlemen as well. But we won't get into, into those stories for now. We don't have time on the breakdown. This team that they play against Italy, Mills, is this a trial run for the quarterfinals? I think it has to be. I think they, they've got to pick their, their strongest side leading into it and start ramping things up. They've had a, a week off, albeit, you know, there's a bit of a bit of hard training in, in between. This is now probably the time for Ian Foster to sort of start, you know, making that sort of those bold decisions in terms of who plays, um, and then perhaps if there's a few players that don't quite live up to the expectation, possibly have a few tweaks in that sort of last game, uh, Jeff. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to do in this game. I, I think he'll look at it, and, and it, the big part is where the guys returning are. Where's Tyrell Lomax? Um, where's Shannon Frizzell? Sounds as though they were really close, close JK. They went to work in Bordeaux, though. Um, they had a couple of big, big training days. Worked really, really hard. And so I look at that, and, and ultimately, I think gonna, they're going to stick with what they know. There may be some subtle changes on the bench. That would where I think it might be. And one of those is clearly should be probably Cam Roygaard. He, he should be on the bench. Um, Aaron Smith starting at halfback for me. That's where the impact should happen from. He, I just can't believe you both. <laughs> Why? Because, like, this is not a pathway to anywhere. This is our first final. Well, it's a knockout game, right? It is our first final. We lose this, we're gone. Mm. Ian Foster will play his top side. He needs to get it right. He needs to pick the right bench. And we need to have a great performance. And we need to put Italy to the sword. Full stop. So who are those guys then? Uh, if he, uh, you, well, the big, decision, the big decisions, right, are lock. Who plays then, JK? All three? Yeah, just put, put one on top of the other, you know? The, the, the big decision is, where do you put Leicester for Anuku? I mean, do you drop Bowden? They're all of the things that, that the big discussions that they're going to have to have. I know what I'd do, but I'm not them. So there's some big decisions to make. Do you leave Whitelock out? You know, that, that's a huge decision. He's going to crack his test match. Now, Ian Foster can't get emotional, you know? I always remember... Um, taking Conrad Smith off at half-time in 2.15 and putting Sonny Bill on, I'm going, hey! That's never happened. Um, the, and all these guys are good enough to play. All of them. Well, some are better. But it is our, this is our final. If this was the well, final... they're treating week. it like that. They, they, they've said that. They're treating it like a knockout game because it is a knockout game yes. for them. And so, totally. Like you say, Mills, I think he's... Uh, the, this is our best at, test side, full yeah, stop. A selection at, at lock, I, I think Sam Whitelock's going to be on the bench. Do you? For his record-breaking game yeah, I do. to overtake Richie McCall. I think Brody Metallic and Scott Barrett are going to start a lock. We, and I th that, that's exactly the wrong thing to say, Kirsty. Yeah. You cannot put, yeah. actually, someone playing a right. real world record because yeah. he'll get on. Yeah. Like, and it could be the most important role can't in take those emotional. Bench. You can't take those emotional things Oh, I'm emotional about it. Yeah, so, would, so, would, I, so would I be. Yeah. I'd be but, terrible at it. But if his best impact's no. off the bench, it's off the bench. But that's the challenges he's got. 
Right, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's got to make those bold, those decisions. He's got to be true to the fact that the guys that are going to sit in terms of what we what the All Blacks are going to provide and also a bit of form. But I still think that we've got a quality team. And yesterday would have probably, um, I suppose, hammered home the fact that if they don't get it right, they're, they're like the Wallabies. And so there's a, there'll be a bit of edge there. There'll be a couple of positions where he'll, he'll stick to what he knows, you know. And obviously you've, you've spoken about big decision to make it lock. One decision at the back, you know, there's been a lot of talk about where Bowden's at and where we shift, um, you know, uh, Will Jordan and bring Lester Fying and on. I don't think he'll do that. I think there's enough quality there to, to keep to keep Bowden there. You know, it's the makeup of the bench. I'd like to see, you know, a Damien McKenzie, a Roy Guard on the bench. But then it affects also who's the outside sort of cover if we do have Bowden out there. So massive decisions to I make. I don't think you change. I don't think... I think it, it's too late to change... Um, We've had, yeah, it's too late. You can't just go, Will, you're a winger, and now in the biggest test match of the year, we're going to put you back at fullback. I, I just don't think you do that. Are you, on edge, at all? Are you on edge at all? Am I on edge? I don't, I'm not even going to make a comment on who you'd pick. Like, I wouldn't even want to he, be picking... He's frantic. Like, no. He's frantic. I'm leaving. He's frantic. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good thing you're leaving because we've run out of time anyway. So thank you all very much for your time. Great to have Tim Horan on the programme as well. We hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Breakdown on the Road. You know the drill. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Ka kitiano.